They called us monsters, so monsters we became. We are Monsters Out of the Closet. I'm Nicole. I'm Tara. And I'm Shreya. Imagine the stroke of a paintbrush against canvas, or the clack of a typewriter key across the page. Can you hear the slash of a scientist's scalpel, or the bubbling of an elixir, its properties unknown? Any artist or scientist knows that to create is an act of power. Their single-minded pursuit of this power is the focus of our episode. Open your mind, if you dare, to the dark arts. Creative talent, much like magical ability, is a much envied gift. But does it pay the bills? In this audio drama, our protagonists discover that art can turn a profit but the dark arts exact a terrible price. Artful Mediums was written by Catherine DeGilio and edited by guest producer Ari Mathay. This piece features Casey Lucas as the narrator, Meredith Katz as Maris, Tal Manier as Mantis, Dallas Wheatley as Lan, Eric Little as The Man, and Thara Rangan as Mrs. Reddy. Maris's hand dropped from its steady position and danced its way down the canvas in dainty strokes. The paint was a bright autumn color, but the weather had fallen far below the neutrality of autumn's temperature. Rain thumped onto the roof, and the wind rose to a shrieking howl. Riz, it's getting late. It's eight. Maris didn't look up from her painting. It's storming outside. Mantis shuffled her feet and her shoes squeaked on the wooden floors. Do you know why Mother named me Maris and you Mantis? Because the youngest child always gets the worst names? Maris means of the sea, and Mantis is a bug that bites the head of its mate. We were both named after things in nature that kill men. That's a nice metaphor. Now, what exactly is your point? Emphasis on independent. Yes? Meaning you do your own thing and leave me alone. Oh, please. You know you want me around. I do want you around. Around the corner, in the other room, minding your own business. Something's missing. Yeah, your manners. No, yellow. I need more yellow. I'm not leaving. Why did you go outside, man? What? Are you my keeper? Yes, and I pay the mortgage, so where were you? I was talking to our neighbor. Mrs. Reddy? No, Marilyn. Never seen her. Well, that's because she doesn't go out much. She's like you. A witch who sells magic paintings? And here I thought I was the only one. A hermit. Whatever. As Mantis huffed and walked back into the living room, Maris picked up another brush and dipped it gently into the blue paint beside her. She looked at the picture to her right, bit her lip, and looked back to the painting. She had to get it exactly right.
Mantis laid out on her great-aunt's sofa and closed her eyes. It had been six years since her mother had died, and less than one since her aunt had passed, leaving Maris as her sole family member. Mantis ran her hand down her face. She should have expected it. Women didn't last long in their family. Mantis sat up and grabbed a pack of tarot cards off the coffee table. She sprawled them out in her hands, picked three, and dropped them in front of her. Of course. She brushed them to the ground. There was no point in grabbing moat cards. They were always blank. No matter what deck she used, whenever she pulled a card out, the picture would just fade to white. Mantis kicked her feet up. You're lucky. The witches in our family don't have bright endings. Shut up, Mar. It'd be fine if I just couldn't do magic, but it's not even that. Magic flat out rejects me. Maybe it's for the best. Out of all the curses to have, yours isn't too bad. Easy for you to say. Anything you paint comes true. Which means I can never be a normal painter. I have to keep the only picture of us locked up in a safe. You, my sister, can be a real artist. Whatever. Man, you just haven't found your power yet. You will. Every witch has a niche. Mantis hopped off the couch and walked down their house's dark hallway to her bedroom. She lay in bed and watched the remaining water droplets fall off her gutter and down into the grass. If she didn't find her niche soon, she feared she'd spend the rest of her life working in the lamb lounge, and <laughs> waitressing was about as magic as an old sock. Order up! Thanks. Mantis ran the food up to the table, then bustled over to the carryout counter to check someone else out. That'll be twenty even. Mantis swiped the card, and had her first proper look at the girl in front of her. She was olive-skinned, with thick dark hair that curled around her cheekbones, perfectly offset by grape-green eyes. Mantis looked at her and thought to herself that some people are just... perfect. And then, the logo on the shirt caught her eyes. An Abbey Road Beatles t-shirt. I like your shirt. Thanks. What's your favorite song? Oh, why would you ask a girl such a question? It's like asking a mother to choose between her children. Okay, okay, alright. Top three. Hey Jude, Can't Buy Me Love, and Norwegian Wood. And Across the Universe just never crossed your mind? It did. I just don't think it's nearly as good as Can't Buy Me Love. That's so basic, though. You, you, you mean a classic? Mantis stumbled over the words as a pink flush bloomed on her face. <laughs> fine, fine. The girl put her hands up in casual surrender. Here. Mantis handed back her credit card, but never broke eye contact. Thanks. Where's your tip jar? Right in front of you. That's so scrappy. I get by. I get by, too. The girl pulled a ten out of her wallet. With a little help from my friends. She put the ten in the jar. Do you believe in love at first sight? I'm certain that it happens all the time. I'm Lan. I'm Mantis. Mantis. Mantis, 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 Mantis. Hmm. I like it. Thanks. So, Mantis, may I have your number?
Hey, wake up, Sleeping Beauty. I will slaughter you. Come on. It's morning. It's noon. It's my day off. Which is exactly why I'm here. Come here. Mantis pulled Lan into bed and wrapped her arms around her. Lan kissed her on the forehead, and for the first time in her life, Mantis didn't care that she hadn't found her magic yet. The only magic that counted was already there. The night's darkness drew to its highest peak, and a fist knocked on the door. Mantis ignored it. Maris stood up, brushed her painting overalls off, and opened it. In the doorway stood a tall man. He smelled of rust and wet wood and all things dying, and as he spoke, Maris's dreams were added to the collection of decaying objects. I need another week. I paid too much for you to miss your deadline. Please, if you pull out now, I can't pay the mortgage. I'll have it finished by tomorrow. Tonight, at the latest. I want half of it gone. Yes, sir. Uh. The man grunted and turned around. Maris closed the door and ran back to her painting. She pulled her hair into a tight ponytail and put a paintbrush between her teeth. This was going to be a long night. Thank God. Maris sat back and looked at her finished work. An old rustic house reminiscent of those in the neighborhood down the street. Maris picked up the painting, then the matchbox beside her. She lit a match and placed it at the corner of the page. When the flame made it to the very middle of the house, she stifled the fire with a wet dishcloth, picked up her phone, sent a message, and sat back. It's done. Mantis awoke to someone banging on her front door. Okay, okay. Mantis slinked out of bed and stumbled to the front of the house. Lan? <coughs> I'm sorry. I didn't know where else to go. It's okay, it's okay. What happened? My... my house. Someone started a fire and... and... <coughs> my... <coughs> My family's dead. What? Wait, what happened? I don't... I don't know, it just... The flames took over and, and I... I'm so sorry, Lan. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't save them. I wanted to, but I couldn't. Oh, sweetheart. Have you called the police? Yes. I'm the only one who made it out. They said, they said, they said I, I need. It's okay. There now. I'm so sorry, Lan. Do you need a place to stay? Yes, yes. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know where else to go. It's okay. It's okay.
Maris tossed in her covers. The rain had come again. She squeezed her eyes shut, trying to ignore its pounding. But something bothered her. Something pulled at her. A dreadful feeling washed over Maris, and she began to open her eyes. Inching them open, she saw the fuzzy outline of a woman. A tall, spindly girl standing in front of her bed, with a devil behind her eyes. Maris shot up, and by the time her vision had finally adjusted all the way, the woman had disappeared. Maris ran to Mantis's room. Get up. What? Where's your girlfriend? In one of the guest rooms. She needed time alone. Why? I don't want to freak her out. What's going on? We have a ghost. No one's died here in a while, Riz. I don't think we have a ghost. I think you had a nightmare. No, I did something for money. I think I did this. What did you do? You know how I only use the art trick to con people into thinking I'm a fortune teller? Yes. Arson pays better. Arson? We need the money, man! What have you done? Lan wandered the dark hallways. She couldn't see anything but the outline of a person standing in front of her. Mantis? Lan? Lan ran over and wrapped her arms around Mantis. What are you doing up? I could ask you the same thing. Couldn't sleep. I was looking for the bathroom and got lost. Sorry, I should have told you where it was before I went to bed. It's okay. I could never stay mad at you. That's good to know. Lan looked at the sage in Mantis's hand. What's that for? What? Oh, it, uh, helps me sleep? You know, I'm not really into liars. You wouldn't believe me if I told you. Try me. Do you believe in ghosts? <laughs> no. Do you? I think the house is haunted. Okay, then, then let's go bust some ghosts. What do you need? You should go to bed. What? Only you get to do the spooky shit. Please. Okay, fine. I have to go cry a million tears anyway. Have fun ghost busting. Lan stumbled around the twisting hallways, holding onto the walls for balance. The house didn't look big from the outside, but walking around it during the night made Lan feel like she was in the labyrinth. She thought she would be able to find her way back. It only took her two minutes to realize she was mistaken. Ma'am? Anyone? Lan shuffled her feet down the hall and opened each door in search of her room to no avail. She found herself at a dead end, which led to a small door at the end of the hall. Lan ran her hand along the door handle opened it up to reveal Maris's art room. Hello. Lan glided her hand over paintbrushes and the tops of paint cans. The paintings had a slice of lifestyle that Lan enjoyed. She liked that she could recognize some of the people and places out in town. Anyone here? Lan walked over to a fresh easel. Guess not. She dropped her head in defeat before something in the trash caught her eye. Lan bent down and pulled a half-burnt painting out of the garbage bin. What the hell? 
Maris walked into the art room and dropped to her knees. Oh, God. Every piece of art in the room was ripped, drowned, and painted over. Maris shuffled frantically through her papers to try to salvage any little piece she could. She crawled across the floor and stacked her paintings into piles. Each one was a week's worth of salary. Each one a member of the town having a horrible night. Maris shook her head and ran her hand down her face when a thought shot her eyes wide open. Oh, God! She walked over to the safe in the back of the room and stumbled back. She placed her hand over her mouth in horror. The safe was open, and the picture she had painted of her and Mantis was gone. Riz, what's taking you so long? Mantis was about to turn the corner to the art room when someone grabbed her. Lan? Lan pulled her into another room. I... I need... I... I need an explanation. What's wrong? My house! I don't know how you did it, but I need to know. I didn't do anything, Lan. Oh, oh, I feel really weird. Something's not right. I'm sorry. Did you somehow cause that fire? I didn't. Who did? My sister. But she didn't know. It's... it's hard to explain. Are the ghosts haunting this house? My family? I'm not sure yet. You weren't supposed to be disappointing. As Lan ran down the hall, Mantis slid down the wall and dropped her head in her hands, letting the sage fall onto the hardwood floor. She didn't open her eyes until a hand touched her shoulder. Mantis? Mantis, you need to get up. Why should I? You killed my girlfriend's family, and now she's going to hate me forever. Is she the one who was in my studio? She found the painting of her house. She also found the painting of us. We need to find her before she does something without knowing it. Oh, God. Maris gave Mantis her hand, and they sprinted down the hall. Mantis pushed the door open and walked over to Lan, who had curled up in the corner. Lan? Honey? Lan held the picture of the sisters in her hands. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. It's okay. I need you to explain it before I go. I'm leaving. But I need you to explain it. Okay. You're right. You deserve that much. Maris took a step into the room, her eyes wide and panicked. Mantis? Yes? Are you... are you talking to Lan right now? Yeah. Who else would it be? I don't know, because I don't see anybody. What are you talking about? She's right there. That's not a person. What do you mean? That doesn't make any sense. I'm right here. I... I think Mantis just found her magic. No, she can't be. I can't, because if that's what I can do, then she's... no. We need to get that picture, Mantis. It's important that we do that first. How could I not have known? Please, someone just explain something to me. Lan balled up her fist, crumpling the left side of the picture. Maris grabbed her chest. Her breath broke became shallow and constrained. Lan, I need you to give me that picture, and then 
Then I'll tell you anything you want. Why would I give you anything? You killed my family. I don't know how you did it, but you did. I'm sorry, Lan, but she can't understand what you're saying. What do you mean? She can't understand me. What is going on? Lan sprang to her feet, knocking over the bedside table. Maris watched helplessly as the lit candle on the table toppled into the curtains, setting them ablaze. Lan! Mantis! She reached out for Mantis, but before they could lock hands, Maris grabbed the picture and pulled Mantis away. What the hell? We have to get out of here. Maris threw Mantis over her shoulder. Her chest still felt tight from the picture being crumpled, but the adrenaline kicked in. In the heat of the fire, Maris found she didn't feel anything. We can't leave her! She's already dead, Mantis. Maris couldn't breathe anymore, but she kept moving. Please! Please! Mantis blinked as water droplets hit her face. Her eyes adjusted, and she saw her sister standing over her, silhouetted against the cloudy sky. Are you alright? You inhaled too much smoke and passed out. I was afraid you wouldn't make it. Do we deserve to? You do. I never meant for you to get hurt. Do you think she's still in the house? Or what's left of it? Mantis looked up to see a damp campfire where her house used to be. I don't know. How are you not coughing? It's over now. For a minute, breathe. Don't worry about anything else. Mantis turned onto her back and covered her eyes with her hands. I'm a medium. Yes. I have to go inside. If Lan is there, I need to make it right. I don't know if you can. I have to try. Are your spirit candles still in your car? Maris pulled two small candles out of her pocket. One black and one white. Here. I thought you might need them. Thanks, but I think it's best if you stay here. I understand. Mantis gave her sister a sad smile and started off toward their house inside when their neighbor, Mrs. Reddy, called out to her. Mantis? Who are you talking to? Frightful must it be, for supremely frightful would be the effect of any human endeavor to mock the stupendous mechanism of the creator of the world. In her novel Frankenstein, Mary Shelley calls out the gross hubris of scientists, who force their will upon the natural world without regard for the disturbance they bring to it. The balance is just as precarious in Roshakrian's opera, The Great God Pan. In the song, The Discovery, a scientist's abiding passion for transcendental medicine drives him and his unsuspecting patient through the veil between our world and the supernatural.
is a delicate process. The most ambitious experiments or the deepest of bonds can be left in ruin by one desperate artist. Take care, dear listener, lest the dark arts gain dominion over you. Thanks again to Catherine D. Giglio and Rosha Crean for their contributions to this episode and to Casey Lucas, Meredith Katz, Tal Minear, Dallas Wheatley, and Eric Little for their performances. Additional music and sounds were by Eric Matias, David Hillowitz, Kai Engel, and SkyClan47. Big thanks to our fantastic guest producer, Ari Mathay. Our heartfelt gratitude goes out to our patrons and our amazing supporting producers. Lindsay Holt, Lourdes Kaland, Cero Lopez, Andy Hunter, and Nicole Penrod. And of course, to you, dear listeners, who inspire our dark artistry. Our next episode, Urban Legends, will be released soon. In the meantime, keep up with our work Beyond the Veil, podcast news, and other scary things at monstersoutofthecloset.tumblr.com and at pod underscore monsters on Twitter. 
Until next time, Monsters Out.